Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Handlers, and you're listening to an episode of Sex and Happiness, a show about sex and happiness, primarily your sex and your happiness. And today, I think it's going to be a very powerful show. Uh, we're going to talk about something that I think is confusing to people. They don't know what the term means. So we're going to define the term, and then we're going to talk about what it means and why it's so important in this time, in this day and age, in our world. So um, I'm going to, we're going to talk about being sovereign or self-sovereignty. And we're going to talk about what that means. So first, let me introduce my guest. I'll bring her onto the show and we will get right into it. So my guest today is Arielle Brown. She is a relationship coach and intimacy educator who specializes in supporting people in creating empowered relationships that support their desires and purpose. She also facilitates workshops focused on cultivating deeper levels of intimacy, vulnerability, and leadership in community. So Arielle, welcome to Sex and Happiness. Thank you, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. And how I found you was by reading some posts in one of my groups on Facebook. Um, I think probably Sacred Sexuality Rising. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, that's a group I'm fairly active in. This week, actually, or I've had a show anyway with uh, Daniel Fox, one of the creators of of the group. And um, I'm excited when I see someone posting like you. Uh, new ways of thinking, fresh. I guess I want to, maybe not, maybe not even new, but fresh. Like, your posts refresh me. And mm, thank you. Somebody's out there thinking and posing um, interesting thoughts for other people who are contemplating what's going on right now. So I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for catching my attention. You're welcome. And thank you for uh, reaching out to me, getting to connect with who you are and what you're doing in the world. It's just a really, um, it's a gift to receive. Thank you. That's great. Well, let's get right into it. I mean, uh, let's define sovereignty and then we'll back up a little bit. Like we'll define sovereignty and then we'll talk about, well, you probably weren't born like this. So how, what, how did you, you know, how did you take the path that led you to being sovereign and then considering, you know, others in that, you know, in being sovereign? Like, uh, how did you get here? But first, let's define it. So when you talk about sovereignty, can, can you put a working definition on it? Um, yes, and I'll do my best to make it concise, though there's, there are some pieces. So to me, being sovereign is, um, one, being deeply connected to our authority our authentic self, like our, our unadulterated essence, like just our soul mm. and acting, communicating, setting boundaries, communicating desires from that place. So to be sovereign is that when we're acting in the world, we're acting and being based upon who we truly are and what we most value. That's awesome. That's a great definition. I mean, when I think of sovereign, you know, when I first heard the word I thought, you know, all I could think of was the king and the queen, mm. the sovereigns of a country. But in the definition that you just gave and in the one that I have that's working, you know, along with that is I'm the king and the queen of myself. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not thinking about I, I, I've been colonized. <laughs> by, I've been colonized by. My culture, I was, tr they tried to colonize me by a religion. Uh, it didn't, that didn't work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been colonized by patriarchy. I've been colonized by my own feelings of inadequacy and insecurity and growing up as a girl. I mean, so much stuff, 
you know, I, I've been colonized by other, you know, public opinion and other people's thoughts of how I should be sexually, um, what is appropriate for a woman like me, a person my age to be acting like, all these colonizations. And so when I think of sovereignty, I think of, you know, the hell with all that. Mm-hmm. I'm the king and queen of myself. Yeah. And I'd love to add one thing also. Um, there's a, so yes. And uh, it's the other piece is that we are also connected to and compassionate with the world around us mm. because I think a lot of us can kind of use like there's an exalted form of sovereignty. And then to me, there's kind of the, the shadow aspect of sovereignty, which is just like, well, this is just who I am and what I want. And I don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks. And if anyone doesn't like it, then just that's their problem. And to me, there's a way to kind of dismiss the world around us, which can actually be quite destructive. But to me, sovereignty is where you're in your own agency, where you're in your own power, and you're also aware of your impact. And as a result, you are connected with and compassionate to the world around us. Beautiful. So beautiful. Well said. See, the thing to me is, if I'm in my sovereignty, I have a lot of room and space for everyone and everything, pretty much. I mean, there's some things I don't have room for, uh, but those are things, you know, acts of terror and things like that. But I do still have compassion even for for those folks. Um, I simply have more room when I'm not worried and concerned about all those other things that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've, I've really realized that 100% that, you know, I've really been moving through different levels of scarcity over the past few years, like really noticing, especially just coming back from a really powerful time on the big island of Hawaii, just realizing um, how m- the places where I have not been sovereign and kind of been fearful of my own safety, it has actually pushed away my ability to be generous with the people around me. Yeah. Well, if you're in survival, you know, in, on some level, you're surviving something like you're either surviving a real threat or you're surviving a perceived threat of, of scarcity or what have you. I mean, the events on the big Island are horrendous uh, going on. So many people fleeing their homes, etc., And that would put somebody into panic and survival. And when we're in survival, it's really hard to share. It's really hard to actually think about anything or anybody because we're in the fight or flight. Oh, you know, it's, it's actually funny because, um, like to me being on the big Island and seeing the volcanic eruption and being connected to the energy of like the goddess Pele, who is the, the, the goddess being associated with this eruption. And to me, I actually felt incredibly safe on the Island and deeply abundant and deeply connected to the community there. And where I've actually felt most scarce is in the Bay Area of California because of how much, um, how much reliance there's placed on external appearance and, and status and success. And I've actually felt way less sovereign. Like I'm, I'm back in the Bay Area in my power and in my sovereignty in an entirely new way because I feel like I've actually connected to the things that are truly important. So it's, it's ironic. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, yeah. So, so the idea is like, how do we gain sovereignty? How do we stay there uh, for the most part? But first, how did you actually climb onto this path, you know, or jump onto this path or whatever? Like, what were you about that made you see some things that woke you up? I always like to tell people this because I want to let listeners know that no matter where they are they can always jump on they mm-hmm. can they could always become happier and sexier no matter what and part of that has to do with sovereignty mm-hmm. 100% and um, for me so a bit about my background I'm from the east coast originally um, I went to school for psychology and philosophy um, in Maryland and then wound up uh, moving out, uh, driving out to California to go to culinary school because while I was in college, 
I was just like obsessed with working in this restaurant. I was a pastry chef there. And while I was in culinary school and really throughout most of college as well, I had a very um, disordered relationship with my body. I had, I struggled with really intense negative body image, um, really yo-yoed back and forth between binge eating and chronic dieting. And while I never classified as having a technical eating disorder, um, I was never anorexic, I never purged, um, I was absolutely fixated and ruled by the number on the scale and what I was going to eat for my next meal. Wow, And, you know, I, I just remember this, this breaking point while I was, after I graduated from culinary school, I was working in this organic cafe and we could just eat like all the pastries that we wanted. <laughs> and, um, I remember like coming home night after night and trying to fit myself into this size six pair of jeans that I'd fit into in college. And I, I remember this one moment where I went from trying to fit myself into the jeans to literally just trying to rip the jeans apart with my thigh muscles. And I had this moment of realization that, wow, like this thing that I've been trying to fit myself into is actually something that I hate and it's causing a lot of suffering. And while I don't necessarily have a, a classified eating disorder, this is ruling my life and it's having me focused on changing who I am and making myself small in order to be lovable. And I can't do this anymore. So that was about five years ago. And I wound up deciding to leave the culinary track and instead wound up finding this, <clears throat> this school called the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. And especially as a woman really started to go into the study of my relationship to food and my body and how I nourish myself and how I shame myself for the things that I desire, for the sweetness that I desire in my life. And that really just opened the door to a deeper level of exploration of like food and intimacy and sexuality and um, where I give my power or value away because of who I've been told I need to be or what I'm supposed to look mm. like. Wow. What an interesting, you know, yeah. What an interesting path from psychology to culinary school and having food rule you until you said no. And, and it, and you stopped, you know, the, your imagery of what was lovable. What a great, it's great. It's just, it's so, um, yeah, I, I hate to say this, but I could taste it. <laughs> <laughs> you can say it. It's a great pun. <laughs> I could be there eating those pastries <laughs> with you. And I know exactly, you know, what you're talking about. Very few women, I guess, wouldn't identify with what you just said. And mm -hmm. some, men, some men, not all men would, but women and the size six jeans. Yeah. That's yep. There's a, there's, you know, there's, there's the challenges of humanity. And then to me, there are the challenges of the categories that we exist in. And while we're all human beings learning how to heal and learning how to grow, I think that based upon, you know, the gender that we fall into, there's a specific set of circumstances that we have our own healing and work to do around. Yes, absolutely. And also then there's the decade that you were born into and and other things. There's a whole, there's a lot of cultural messages that are different mm -hmm. from in each decade, but but whoever's in that decade gets them. Yes. And so on. So there's uh there's so much that's what I was saying before I've been colonized by all that. And uh and then I had to like you know become sovereign. I had to like break free of other. I recently realized, you know, it was so funny. I was making love with my partner who's this extraordinary lover and he's also patient and sweet and whatever. He's really very present. And one night I, he was just tapping my butt and I was feeling, it felt really good. And I started kind of like wiggling onto, you know, onto against his hand. Mm -hmm. and for some unbeknownst reason, I pulled back and I went, wow, I just caught myself pulling back from pleasure. Hmm. 
And he said, why do you think you're doing that? And I said, oh, some old shame, <laughs> you know, some something that said, you're not supposed to like let on that that was pleasurable, mm. you know, but it had no words to it. It was just like almost instinctual. I just like pulled back from it. And luckily I caught myself and said something. Well, and to me, that's a beautiful demonstration of one of the one of the skills that we need to be able to cultivate in order to embrace sovereignty is the ability to notice where we're acting out of habit that's a disempowering and to be able to actually zoom out and notice the pattern as opposed to identifying in it and then getting lost in the shame of it right <laughs> yeah so good so good like the shame shame is so pervasive and it prevents so many things and it's so unnecessary. Well, and it's, it's also a really great control mechanism for a society that's built on selling, you know, its citizens things based upon the belief that we're not good enough as we are. Right. Right. Well, we're going to, we're actually going to take a break right here because that's a good place to launch in our next segment, like what's up with society and really how do we start to claim all this? You know, we just uh, identified one way, which is to, is to speak out when we notice that something's happening and make a choice right there. But there's, there's more. So if you just tuned in, you're listening to sex and happiness. I'm Laurie Handlers. Today, my guest is Ariel Brown and she's a relationship coach and an intimacy educator. And we're talking about sovereignty, self-sovereignty, being sovereign. What does that mean? How to be empowered, given that there's been so much enculturation in all of us, one way or the other. We're not, we're, this program is global, so we're not only speaking about North Americans, but we are speaking about people growing up and being suppressed. So we'll be right back. We're going to talk more about it and see if we can uncover some more ways that empower you, that will empower you if you choose to to follow along and 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 find out. Did you ever stop to think that love is your birthright? That you don't need to earn it or prove it. You just need to live it. I'm personally inviting you to the path of true love, power, and freedom. If you're ready to enliven your soul through conscious sexuality and dive deeply into profound ritual that frees your heart, I'm inviting you to join us for the spiritual sexual shamanic experience. This is better known to most of you as the ISTA Level 1 training. I am regularly leading these courses along with a team of accomplished facilitators all around the world. As a matter of fact, these trainings have taken place in 34 countries. For information on when I'm leading, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com. Or for a full schedule, you can go to SchoolofTempleArts.org. Please consider this invitation seriously because love and freedom are your natural state of being. Are you wondering what book to read to jumpstart your life? Get the best from relationships? Attain the deepest feelings of intimacy? Do you want the best sex along with great happiness? Get your copy of Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by Lori Handlers right now. You'll learn how to make love in the unknown, take the performance anxiety and reaching a goal out of sex. You'll learn subtle ways of communication and really important practices to empower you when dealing with an intimate partner. You'll let go of blame and struggle. Doesn't this sound great? Sex and happiness puts the innocence back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Take charge of your life, physically, emotionally, and spiritually with Sex and Happiness by Lori Handlers. Only nineteen ninety nine paperback and fourteen ninety nine ebook. Order your copy today by going to ButterflyWorkshops.com. That's ButterflyWorkshops.com for your copy of Sex and Happiness. 
If you're a woman who could use a little zest and zing in your arousal response, or maybe you know women or a woman who could use this, because many women say that their feelings of desire, arousal, and sexual satisfaction don't happen as naturally or as often as they'd like. So I want to tell you about Zestra, because Zestra was developed to meet this much-needed option for women. Uh, Zestra safe and a patented blend of botanical oils and extracts, and it's created to help women have increased sexual sensations. Zestra comes in convenient single-dose personal packets. Each packet keeps the essential arousal oils and extracts free, fresh, and safe from light. And with application of Zestra, it starts to work within three to five minutes. And at about 10 minutes, there's something called the Zestra Rush. And that can last up to about 45 minutes. The great news is that Zestra can be used as frequently as you like during each sexual experience. Now, I'm somebody who believes that all women deserve sexual satisfaction. That's why I do this show, in case you hadn't noticed. So I believe that men and women deserve sexual satisfaction. So if you're a woman who isn't getting that kind of arousal response that you want, please call 877-426-8047. That's 877-426-8047. And please remember to say you heard about Zestra from Laurie Handlers on the Sex and Happiness Show. We're back with Sex and Happiness. And again, I'm Laurie Handlers. And today my guest is Ariel Brown. And we're talking about being sovereign. What does that mean? And we've already given some good definition to that. It means like being ourselves, like self-reflective, but also being connected, healthily connected to others and all there is. And then just before we went to break, we talked about shame and about what's happened to us, you know, as a result of growing up. So I, that's where we'll start. What What are some of the things that contribute to all this and how can we break free of them mm-hmm. and still feel connected to other people without this rebellion that takes 10 to 20 years <laughs> <laughs> of a good lifespan? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, is there is there a specific thing you you'd like me to speak to? Could you ask a, a question or yeah. uh, something along those lines? Yeah. Um, what um, you know when you felt? We'll just talk about you because it's it's easier for, to be personal. Like when you felt when you knew you had to break this, you knew you had to you had to stop. It's actually like self-punishment, you know, like this lovable. Am I lovable? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can I be, can I possibly be lovable if I'm size eight? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I, it sounds crazy. I know, like I'm laughing, but I know how torturous it is. Mm-hmm. When you <coughs> realized that, how did you, how did you set about like finding the pieces and deconstructing it? Well, what I, you know, it's a really beautiful question. And what I, what I realized was, is that, you know, if I'm basing my value off of the size of my body and the shape of my body, obviously there's a level of disconnection to, you know, what is truly fulfilling to my soul. Because if, if the baseline for what makes me valuable as a human being is only skin deep, like then, then what is the substance of my life? And it, it really invited me to start exploring, you know, both in terms of my relationship to myself and my relationship to other and through sexuality, which to me is one of the most vulnerable places that we can connect to our essence. Like, like how do I discover who I truly am in such a way that I connect to a depth of value within myself that, has nothing to do with what I look like. And like, that's really what begun my path and began my path of looking at often when we look to, you know, food as a way to numb ourselves, fulfill ourselves, or even look to sex as a way to kind of be a placeholder for a deeper level of nourishment that also, that our soul is looking for. 
um, how do we can decondition ourselves so we can actually really discover who we are and what we want when we stop worrying about what other people think. That's, I mean, it's, it's great. And then, so literally I'm asking you, how did you? Mm-hmm. Well, that that's what you did. And I thank you for that articulation because it's so, it's just so critical for everyone. And I, and, and it doesn't matter their decade. It doesn't matter their age. It doesn't matter like where they are, like located on the planet. Everyone is somewhat affected by this. Totally. So the, the answer that I would give, and this is, this is really the base of the platform of the work that I do, is I started looking at my romantic, my quote-unquote romantic relationships. I don't really like the term romantic relationships. I much prefer intimate relationships. Um, but I started looking at my intimate relationships with men. Because, you know, I was a late bloomer. I didn't have sex until I was 18. And then for the first half of my 20s, I was in a series of um, pretty toxic and, and emotionally abusive relationships. Um, you know, some of them with, you know, one with a man who was just really imbalanced, had suicidal tendencies. Um, another with a man who was very controlling and really you know, got me close to saying some yes to, yes to things that could really put my, my, my safety in jeopardy. And mm -hmm. I really started having to get to this place of realizing, you know, like I've never been forced to do anything. I've never had a gun held up to my head. I've never had my hands tied behind my back and been forced to be a yes to anything that these men have suggested. So there's something in me that has been unwilling to advocate for who I am and what I want and what I need in my relationships. And if I want to have a fulfilling life that is truly in alignment with who I am, one of the most practical and relatable ways that I found to do that was to start really looking at what changes do I need to make about how I show up in my intimate relationships with men? Because when sex gets involved, there's a whole nother level of of intimacy that arises and story that arises so i started using my relationships with men as a practice for creating more congruency between what my soul wants and how i express my wants and needs in relationship that is that's beautiful and i you know as you were speaking about those early relationships of yours i mean i was smiling I don't, I mean, because I don't, I hardly know anybody who doesn't go through that. Mm. I mean, maybe, I mean, I've met a few people who met each other in high school, knew that that one was the one and they didn't go through that. Mm. They just actually found this loving person who like loved them from the beginning of time. And, um, and the, and they stayed together. You know, most of my friends, most of the people that I know, went through a series of monogamous, you know, serial monogamous relationships with absolutely the wrong people mm -hmm. and then blamed it on those people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and to me, that's where like the problem, the challenging part of this work is that it requires us to face like a very deep level of shame, which is the shame of self-abandonment. You know, there's a lot of conversation, like, especially with everything that's going on in the Me Too movement, like a lot of conversation of boundary violation on the part of the other person violating our boundaries. But what this type of work requires us to do is to start looking at like, wow, like, where have I been violating myself? Because I haven't prioritized truly getting to know who I am and then prioritize being willing to rock the boat and say something that another person might disagree with. There it is in a nutshell. I mean, so many, when you said that many images flooded into my awareness. Mm, like what? Of friends. Well, um, I took a couple, uh, every year I take people to the resort hedonism which is um, a clothing optional resort, pretty much known for swinging. Mm. My group goes and we do Tantra there. 
Um, and I wouldn't particularly call myself a swinger, but I am very sex positive and I always at least want a hit of that environment for a week in my life once a year. Cause when that I sounds interesting and fun. Yeah, it's totally fun. And when I come back from hedonism, I feel like the most gorgeous woman on the planet. I feel super desirable. I wear slutty clothes that I would never wear anywhere <laughs> else, but I would only wear them there. I mean, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole um, set of things that go along with going to hedonism, which scared the hell out of me for most of my life. And then I was invited there for a film festival and I like I had to go, you know, and I was so scared. And then I went and I was like, oh, my God, I love it here. I want to come back every year. Mm -hmm. so this year will probably be my like eighth, seventh or eighth time. And um, la last year or the year before, I, a couple came with me who I knew very well. And um, they and they're very open. They're like they have no issue. I actually met them at another resort. So I know they would be cool there. And what happened was they went out on a boat with, um, you know, some staff person, they went out to go snorkeling. And um, two men, the husband and another man were on the boat and the wife, that's all, just three people and the guy driving the boat. And they all jumped in the water with their fins on and their masks on. And the guy driving the boat jumped in the water and started to feel up the, the wife. And, when, and like he just went for it with her and like her husband couldn't see anything. And the other guy couldn't see anything because they were like, they were in the water, you know, mm -hmm. snorkeling away, looking at coral. And when they came back, I joined this, them in the hot tub and the, the husband was furious. And he said, you know, I want her to towel on this guy. And she wouldn't. Mm. And I said, you know, so I tried to mediate between them. And I said to her, you know, if this happened to you, it's happened to someone else. It's yeah. never happened to me there, you know, but that doesn't, you know, I don't know. I didn't go out with that boat guy or whatever, but I know the owner. And I said, he's going to want to know. And she said, I'm not telling. I'm not going to tell. I know how, you know, what jobs are like here and da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. And that was like the abandonment of self-sovereignty making a choice about economics or whatever and letting a violation like that just happen. Yeah. Right in when you talked about that, I just went like, I wanted to twist her arm and yeah. say, listen, you know, you might be okay with it. You told your husband he's furious, but he's going to still love you, blah, blah, blah. But, um, how, you know, and you'll ideally be okay, but someone else might not. Yeah. Well, and you know, the, the thing that I want to say to that is, um, which is, it's an, it's an edgy piece, but it, it sounds like she thought she was doing the right thing on some level. But what I want to say there is like, yes, perhaps you feel that way on the surface level. But what I often find is not speaking the truth in those moments winds up generating underlying resentments that we carry with us into all of our relationships. And it winds up slipping out in ways that can be incredibly destructive. Exactly. And also could be, um, could come out as some other kind of trauma too later on, you know, like it's the, the, anytime we don't take care of ourselves, I agree with you. Like we, we start storing it and it takes on a shadow effect later on, or it takes on a trauma. Mm -hmm. and, well, and this, this is one of the biggest, this like, you know, I do uh, a lot of, the inspiration behind the work that I do is that I desire to be a bridge for the healing between men and women because there's so much healing that needs to occur. And one of the, one of the greatest challenges that I hear a lot of men speaking about is that they're kind of walking on eggshells, afraid to communicate and exercise their desire because they don't trust women to speak up in the moment and say no. And what will often wind up happening is that because women have not learned how to cultivate our voices and we lived in a culture that has conditioned us to believe our voice doesn't matter, that we won't speak up in the moment and then afterwards feel the, the shame of not having spoken up in the moment, the shame of have, having had that experience and then bringing up in hindsight in a way that can be really destructive and traumatic, not just for her, but then for the man because he feels like he's become a violator. So right. there's, there's a very important conversation here around where we're 
wanting to put the responsibility in someone else's court, when in reality, there's a level of sovereignty that is needed for us to be able to speak up in the moment, even if we don't have the perfect thing to say. And I think this is a place where we can create a lot of liberation for ourselves of saying like, you know, like, I'm a no to this. And like, I don't know why, and I don't know what I want instead, but I just want to be honest that I'm a no. And to take the pressure off of ourselves to feel like we need to have it all figured out before we speak up for ourselves. Mm. Ah. <laughs> I'm just breathing into that. It's so good. Yeah. And I feel that that's really the only thing that is going to heal the gender divide, the way I like to call it. Um, men are really afraid right now, and women still have plenty of fear, and that's the fear is getting bigger. And um, really, you're right. We just have to claim our voice and know that our voice is worth it no matter what and be able to say it. I don't trust anyone who can't, I don't trust anyone's yes if they can't say no. Mm, that's a, it's a fair statement. Yeah, I can't. I just don't. And when I see people are just like trying to please me, I'm just like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Are you going along with this? Because I'm the person who's the most vocal here. Or do you, is this something you really want to do? And, um, and don't just don't try to just please me because I'll, I'll sniff it and I'll just, it'll make me sick. Just yeah. really only say yes to what you want to say yes to. Yeah. So it's really important work. I'm so glad that you're doing it. When you said that, my heart just melted, you know. Yes, that's yeah. what I want. <laughs> it just, it makes me sad, you know. And the, I feel like the, you know, there's different work for men and women right now. And there's the same work for all of us. But the, the place that I'm really seeing is the work for women is, is looking at a deep level on the place where we're still operating from wanting men to come in and save us. Because if that's, granted, Disney told us to do this with all the Disney movies, and that's just what we've been told. But the problem is, if we are operating in an unconscious way, or even a conscious way of wanting a man to come in and save us, it's impossible for us to hold a space for the men in our life to be able to be vulnerable and, and unravel as well. And that's, that's the, you know, that's the coaching work that I do with men. And that's the thing that I'm seeing is needed for women. Like, how do we create a sense of safety within ourselves? So we don't always need our men to be perfect. Yes, 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 yes. So beautiful. So really beautiful. I feel like we are able to make safety and space for ourselves. They don't have to do that. And actually, that's another piece. I mean, when you mentioned that, I actually, before I would be intimate with a man, I asked them if they're the kind of man that feels like they get really turned on by that rescue mission. Because mm. if they do, I, I'm not going to be rescued. I don't need rescuing. And I know that they'll leave me for somebody who seems like she needs rescuing. Mm-hmm happened to me in the past and so I don't have anything to do with men who get aroused by that <laughs> <laughs> you know like if you've got a rescue mission I don't want to see you. <laughs> uh, you you might dominate them in the bedroom but you don't really want to go there very much <laughs> exactly I don't I mean I just don't I want equal partners who don't want need any rescuing and don't need any fixing Mm -hmm. So it's not easy to come by, but it's okay. It's much better for me this way. It just, that just like so annoys. And yes, I, it's true. We need to like, let go of that fantasy. You know, I used to run women's groups in the seventies and we used to, um, I used to, add, I used to make them get up and pick a partner, another woman and waltz to someday my prince will come. <laughs> oh dear god <laughs> oh. and i would say the prince is right here the mm -hmm. prince is right inside he's not coming he's not riding in you don't have a glass shoe like yeah. it's not gonna happen like give it up right here right now in this group yeah you know and uh <laughs> well and i think the thing that i want to add to that is like there's there's some mourning to do you know, there's yeah. like, 
for me to be able to get to this place where like currently my relationship practices, I'm my primary partner. I have multiple different men in my life who are lovers. Not all of them involve penetrative sex, but they feel to be like deeply intimate lovers nonetheless. And oh my goodness, where was where was I? Oh, what was he just talking about? I had a beautiful point. My prince will come and you said we have to do some mourning. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Like to get to like when we're built up with this idea of what like perfect love will look like, you know, it can feel very like we can like there can be a fear of letting that go to let in like a different form of empowered love. And I feel that it's very important to allow ourselves the mourning process to really feel the sadness of this model that we've been given of relating that's actually very disempowering and to let ourselves process and move through the emotions of what it feels like to have held on to that for so long and to be able to let it go. Like there's a very, there's a deep sacredness to like grieving that and letting it go so we can create space for the types of relationships that can actually truly fulfill us. Yeah, that needs to happen. I love that you said that. I never, I don't think I, I mean, I'm sure I went through that grieving process, but I didn't, I probably wasn't, I wouldn't have labeled it that because I probably wasn't that aware at the time that that's what I was doing. Mm. But I, I am aware of the day that I decided to become my own best lover. Mm. I decided to give myself what I was waiting for. And that cha- that was a game changer. That was definitely a game changer in my life. So I'm sure that I went through that mourning process. It's so good. We got to take a break here, but when we come back, I want to let people know how they can find out about you, how they can read the things that you write about and get empowered through the, through the things that you share. So if you just started to listen to this show, this is Laurie Handlers and we're talking about self-sovereignty today. And it's, this is very rich stuff. It's very rich emotional stuff we also when we come back we'll talk about we talked about what the women's work is we'll talk a little bit too about what the men's work is mm. and um and then we'll find out how you can find ariel and find her writings because they're good and um you know they turned me on so that's why we're here today so just stay tuned we're coming right back at you to deepen your intimacy while being on the perfect vacation i'm talking about an all-inclusive vacation with a nude beach a prude beach and award-winning food entertainment and service in really fun classes each day i'll take you into enhanced communication intimacy skills and sensuality i also offer private sessions by appointment in sex magic g-spot stimulation female ejaculation, and men's ejaculation choice. Oh, and I'll have my Sibian there too, so you can experience the Sibian in a private learning session. There's many barriers to be dropped and a new freedom to be learned by accompanying me to this vacation. October 13th to the 20th, Hedonism 2 Resort, Negril Beach, Jamaica. For more information, write to me, laurie at butterflyworkshops.com. Or to book, call Tom's Trips at 800-285-0853. That's 800-285-0853. Book now while rooms last and tell them you are among my group. Be among the wonderful people who will be joining me this year. I can't wait to be with you in Jamaica. Many times on Sex and Happiness, you've heard Lori talk about emotional release and how important it is. Well, now you can do emotional release in the privacy of your own home. In Lori's CD, Shamanic Release and Lottie Han, she creates a safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work Lori is known for in her sacred sexuality courses. Lori sets you up with the proper positioning and breathing. Then she guides you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. 
This CD provides an easy way to do emotional clearing work on a regular basis. Order your copy of Shamanic Release and Lodihan today and watch your relationships walk free of emotional baggage. To order the Shamanic Release and Lodihan CD by Lori Handlers, go to www.butterflyworkshops.com right now. As a sex and happiness coach, I understand that increased sexual participation intensifies sexual responsiveness and desire, as well as overall health and well-being. My experience with the Sibian has personally increased my sexual response, and I can now train women to use this machine to have peak orgasms as often as possible. I strongly believe this will add to their health and well-being, whether they have a partner or not. The beauty and the miracle of the human body is that it adapts and changes much more rapidly than people change their beliefs or their opinions. The Sibian can make any woman's body more resilient with each peak orgasm. Sibian is an amazing experience, often described as the Lamborghini of sex toys. If you're a woman and you can get yourself to look at Sibian, you should do so. It won't take away from your partner. It will only add. Trust me on this. I love my Sibian. Go to Sibian.com. That's S-Y-B-I-A-N.com. Or call 1-800-253-6135. That's 800-253-6135. And say, Laurie Handlers told you about Sibian. And by the way, if you do have a partner, ask about Venus for Men. That's Venus, V-E-N-U-S, for men. This is Sex and Happiness. And this we're going into segment three here about what it is to be sovereign, what it is to, what the work is that it takes to be sovereign, what the awareness, the distinctions are, what you need to face. And we're putting it really simply and it, and it's not that difficult. It's just a question of, do you want to, and when are you ready to start? Mm. Um, And it's needed and necessary. If you, to me, there's if, if we just have fear, between the genders, if the men are just so scared now that they're going to be called perpetrators and the women are so mad and, and, and ashamed of what might have happened to them or what they might have let happen to them or whatever, and, the, and uh, everybody's like running in fear, it, that doesn't lead to a lot of happiness. It actually just fear begets fear begets fear begets fear. I, I've never seen it anywhere other than a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to see that. I want to, in my world, I want to see women and men dancing in eternal ecstasy. Mm. So that's why I have Ariel on my show today. <laughs> um, she has some keys to this. She has some, she has some ways to put it that are digestible. And I'm asking you to listen up. You know, I'm just, I'm imploring you to listen up because we have a world to deal with here. Mm-hmm. You're a part of it. Whoever's listening to this, you're a part of it. So, um, so Ariel, what do the men have to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the women have to face some things, some shame, and some um, restructuring of uh, letting go of Prince Charming and the perfect man and allowing men's vulnerability and also allowing their own vulnerability and making their voice rise. Mm-hmm. In the moment, which was really solid advice. What what do men have to do? Um, <laughs> it's I, I feel like I can I can bullet point it down to two things. Yeah. Um, the first is be able to say no, and the second is to be able to stand solid in a woman's presence as she spirals as she spirals through all of her emotions. Mm. Um, One of the greatest challenges that I see a lot of, you know, the men who are doing the work, like right now I'm speaking to the men who 
who are doing the work that is realizing that there is healing need to be done, needing to be done, because these tend to be the men who have enough awareness that they, they are walking on eggshells because they realize that women have been disserviced for a period of time. Um, and what I see a lot of men doing is I, I like to describe it as going on women's ride meaning part of like what men are attracted to or the beauty of a woman's emotional experience, the wave and fluidity of the many different emotions and feelings and yeses and nos that a woman can experience. And what I find can often happen is that a woman, a man can just go on a woman's ride and just be a yes to everything that she does. Uh, but the problem is if a man does that, without staying solid in his own integrity and what's true for him, what's going to wind up happening is the woman is not going to be able to trust the man. The woman is not going to be able to trust the man to stay rooted in his own experience. And ultimately she's not going to be able to surrender to him in the way that her being is desiring. So I feel that the, the challenge of men is to, um, even though they are desiring, desiring this deeply fulfilling sex with women, this deeply fulfilling connection, and it can seem counterintuitive for men to be able to hold a strong pull of what they feel is true in their soul and to be able to hold space for and receive a woman's experience without needing to fix her. And that's, that's the first chunk that I'll say. That's so beautiful. You've taken it. It's in the beginning. It was David Data esque because he talks about men holding their purpose and lashing themselves. I like to call it lashing themselves to the mast while the sirens are calling the ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. <laughs> lash yourself to that mast and just sail by. <laughs> um, <laughs> But then you added stuff, you know, you added the things that um, that are so important to be able to hold presence but not go on the ride. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm-hmm. So, so good. And to be able to, so I think a lot of men fear being called sensitive because there's so much like fear of homophobia being called gay and things like that. But the number one thing that I'm seeing men need to be able to do is to learn how to attune to a woman. Because often when we have desire, but there's a lot of shame and and judgment around the desire because we fear that if we express the desire we'll be rejected or called a violator it can really pop us up into our heads and into story and if we're up there it can be i just have to add or called a slut or called a slut yeah yeah Yes. So that's the woman's perspective. And then there's also the man's perspective of like just feeling shame for his desire because, you know, women are so resisting being objectified right now, Mm -hmm. you know, post-feminist movement. Mm -hmm. Um, So men need to learn like how, like we, they also need to learn how to really drop into their bodies and trust their desire and really start attuning to women so they can actually feel like, is this woman receptive to my desire? And how do I attune to this woman in such a way that she can receive what I have to offer? And if I do overwhelm her, do it intentionally in a way that it's actually going to be something that she enjoys versus just being so hung up in our own fears, our own uncertainties that we're not at all calibrated to the person across from us. Does, yeah. that, does that make sense? Yeah. It makes, well, it makes perfect sense to me. I get it. And I, I, feel, um, I feel like my listeners will get it. I just feel, you know, people who have been listening to the show for a long time, I've been doing this show for years and so I, I feel that people who follow this show are going to get what you said. Mm. Not everyone is. And that's, we're going to tell them how to get in touch with you if they want to find out mm-hmm. how to actually grok that statement. But I and feel that. I'll make, I'll make it simpler. One more piece. Like in a world full of pickup artists and a world, world full of tell, like, teaching men how to say the right thing to make a woman, you know, buckle at the knees, like, Abandon that script and just become genuinely curious of the person across from you. 
Mm-hmm. Like if we can just embrace genuine curiosity and ask the questions that we really want to know the answer to, it's one of the most beautiful gifts and most attractive gifts that we can give. That's wonderful. It's wonderful, wonderful advice. I just, I would actually take it, you know, I'm, I've been in a, re- in a relationship now. I have a primary partner who, who really meets me. And I have to say that he's, he stays on purpose. He's curious and, you know, enamored of who I am as a being and present to that. And occasionally, I don't complain very often, but when I, when I have a complaint, you know, we both say, he says, is this a complaint? And I say, yeah, this is a complaint, you know, da, 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 da. I needed this or I want this and I didn't feel you were present. And he will just say, you're right. I apologize for not being emotionally available. Mm. And I can't tell you, he said it maybe two times, but in the times that he said it, I felt so satisfied. Mm. (laughs) Wow. An adult is dealing with me here. Somebody who actually can just take responsibility and go, yeah, I actually know what was missing there. Emotional availability to hear you in that moment. And that was that's so I'm giving that as a as a phrase because I feel like people, especially men, I feel are afraid to actually say that or they don't know what to say in those moments. Yep. You know, a woman is going, oh, you know, whatever, da 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 da, and then a man all he needs to say is, "Wow, I guess I wasn't emotionally present." Yeah, uh, that's just such medicine for women, you know, because so many of us are you know, coming back from being like, oh, like you're too emotional, you're being crazy, you're being irrational. So to just be validated by a man of like, hey, like you're right and I get it is so powerful. Yeah, so powerful. So a few tips here. This is good. So Ariel, how do people find you if they want to find you and read your writings and um, and maybe get some coaching and so on? What's the mm-hmm. couple of ways to find you? Well, um, if you want to read my writings, you can find me on Facebook. You spell my name A-R-I-E-L-L-E-B-R-O-W-N.com. Oh, excuse me, just minus the dot com. That's my website. You can find me on Facebook. Or if you want to learn more about my coaching work, please don't send me a Facebook message because sometimes those get lost in translation. So you can email me at a r i e l l e at A-R-I-E-L-L-E-B-R-O-W-N.com. And I'd love to connect. We'll hop on the phone. We'll talk a little bit about what resonated for you in this conversation, how it applies to what's alive for you and potentially your relationship in your life and see if it's resonant to do some coaching work together. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I really thank you for being on my show. I'm really excited uh, by the things that you've said and really so well articulated. I mean, just, I love that you can say something really complex and then say, Oh no, no, I'm going to boil it down now. Mm -hmm. This is the bottom line for it. And, and people can, can grasp this and they can put some of this stuff in to place immediately. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was a, it was a pleasure to be on the show with you. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody tune in next time when I will have for some of you, the famous John Hawken and for others of you, you don't know who John is, but he's a very famous Tantra teacher uh, that started in the UK uh, years ago. And he's still doing incredible work, mostly in Europe. And um, I have been trying to get him as a guest on my show for years and finally have And so he'll be with us the next time on uh, Sex and Happiness. So tune in then. And thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you for your generosity of listening to the show. Because without you, I wouldn't have the show and there wouldn't be anything to do here. And there's plenty to do. So thank you so much. This is Laurie Handlers signing off for sex and happiness. Thank you for joining us today for sex and happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, please go to butterflyworkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh,
does. So tune in then. And thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you for your generosity of listening to the show because without you, I wouldn't have the show and there wouldn't be anything to do here. And there's plenty to do. So thank you so much. This is Laurie Handler's signing off for sex and happiness. Thank you for joining us today for sex and happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, please go to butterflyworkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.